0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome back to the Tom Petty Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Today's episode is the ninth episode in season two and covers the eighth track on the second album, No Second Thoughts. If this is your first episode, we don't actually play the song in the body of the episode uh, due to complications with licensing. So go to the link in the episode notes if you want to listen to No Second Thoughts. Um, and once you've done that, come right back and we'll chat all about it. In Warren Zane's biography... Heady, Tom says that Denny Cordell basically left them to make this record by themselves rather than actively producing, with engineer Noah Shark guiding most of the sessions and the band recording the tracks basically as quickly as possible to get the record done and released. It's actually astonishing that it turned out the way it did, given those recording parameters, as I think there are several, you know, really, really strong tracks on this album. Um, No Second Thoughts was put together by overdubbing the vocals and the other instrumentation on top of a loop of the band playing percussion. Like Luna or Stranger in the Night from the debut album, the song opens with some studio noise and a sort of monkey-like screech, apropos of nothing. Um, we then get the percussive loop, which will play throughout the song with congas and likely some tapping on an acoustic guitar body. Um, I don't think there's any maracas or anything like that in there, but it's, it's that sort of, just that loop that, um, Denny Cordell actually suggested and, and that the band ended up, uh, ended up using. There's also a very, if you listen carefully, there's a very George Harrison-esque, super short, seventh-note lick, which Mike plays, that almost has a, it's like a sitar quality to it. And it starts the song off in kind of a weird place, as that motif doesn't recur anywhere else in the songs. Just listen for that as it comes in off that uh, that opening. Unlike most of the rest of the first two albums... The rhythm guitar on this one is mixed dead centre, along with the bass and the vocals. And it's got that real campfire, buskers strumming pattern to it that, you know, it's intended to simply accompany the vocal rather than be sort of a prominent part of the song. And there's not a riff or a significant guitar lick anywhere near this one. So a 17-year-old could definitely impress their girlfriend or boyfriend um, with this song just by strumming and singing along to it. Again, the whole vibe of the song is very loose, yet very personal. You feel like Tom is singing directly to you through the speakers or your headphones. In listening to the song for this episode, I found that I I absolutely adore Ron Blair's bass part on this one. It glides around that percussive foundation so serenely and and moves around the octaves effortlessly like a a big fish lazily swimming around a lake on a warm summer's day. The basic uh, bass pattern through the verses is just playing the, the chord roots an octave apart, matching the chord changes, except for a wonderful touch where he plays a root fifth on the last bar after the last, ooh yeah... It resolves that section beautifully, and again, just adds in a little tweak that you can easily miss on first listen. In the chorus, we get a little more bass action and a couple of those trademark rombler one-step slides, but then a fantastic high slide right up the neck, leading into the middle eight. The lead guitar is mixed really quite low in this one, and I'd absolutely love to hear those tracks isolated someday, to hear exactly what Mike is playing. And toward the end of the first verse, you can hear just a whisper of a slide guitar in the ooh-yeah section. And that slide is then more prominent in the same section the second time through. But it's still subtle, and it's fairly low in the mix. In the middle eight, we get a kind of, not solo, but just more guitar texture that has a a really laid-back country feel to it. And that A minor, G, C progression in that middle section just sounds beautiful. And and this is when you really notice Benmont's organ ghosting around the background. Everything in that middle eight is subdued and restrained and it's clearly just a little breathing room in the middle of the track rather than being a change of pace or a change of direction. Another thing you can hear throughout the song in the left channel is a very percussive, heavily flanged or phased part that it really sounds like a a bass-heavy Jews harp and I still can't quite figure out if that's a guitar or if it's Benmont playing a heavily processed uh, keyboard part. Another question for one of the band if I ever get to speak to them. Tom's vocals on this one are sultry and smooth, but he's not in full seduction mode like he is on, say, Mystery Man from the first album. We still get those really cool vowel bends that Tom's accent throws up sometimes, and which he accentuates at times also to give a a phrasing more punch. So the way he sings hand in the first verse or, or down in the second, he's putting a little character into those words just by leaning into that bend. that's a vocal thing that you can't fake either, by the way. If I try to sing that line exactly the same way, I can do it fairly easily, but it sounds completely wrong coming out of my mouth, because I'm not from the South, and it definitely sounds forced. Um, In the last episode, we talked about how Tom thought that phrasing and meter are really important in in the way that you sing lines, and those subtle little choices are another great example of when to use them, but use them sparingly. doesn't bend every vowel sound at the end of each line, but picks and chooses those moments in which to use it. There's also the way he throws away the words second thoughts in the chorus after the bridge. He just lets them fall to the floor as if what he's singing about is it's almost hopeless. We get um harmonies on the yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah, yeah lines, but also we get them in the last verse before the outro. So that's, again, just the band and, and Tom sort of just flipping things a little bit, um, to, to sort of make sure the song is never stale and, and it always sort of is going somewhere and there's something new for you to listen to. Um, which is again, just another sort of example of, um, just little tricks that songwriters use to, uh, to, to make a song better. Those harmonies are also made so much deeper by that soft slide that Mike is playing as it adds in a harmonic part that it almost sounds vocal. Um, I thought at first that the vocals might actually be standard, the harmony vocals might actually be standard, but, As those parts are brought up in the mix a little more in the outro, you can tell that it's definitely Tom. Okay, it's time once again, my friends, for some Petty Trivia. I get to ask you the questions that range from lyrical to musical to historical to the downright incidental. Uh, Last week's question was this, aside from Denny Cordell and Tom himself, who is the third person given a producer credit on this album? The answer is Noah Shark, who also played percussion on the album and leaned on Tom in regards to the album title and the artwork. Uh, The band had done a photo shoot with the legendary photographer Annie Leibovitz and had a a great shot that they intended to use for the cover. Denny Cordell wanted the album to be called Terminal Romance, but as Warren Zanes writes in Petty, Noah Shark had Petty's ear, and he was adamant. You're going to get it. Both album title and cover image was as much Shark's vision as anyone else's. Stan Lynch, for one, wasn't enamoured of Shark's influence, uh, but Mike Campbell says in the same book, We realised most of the ideas Noah comes up with seem to make things better, so we just started listening to him more while we made the first record and relied on him when we made the second. Your question for today is a sneaky one. In the musical interlude before this week's Petty Trivia, the riff from which song is playing? (laughs) Okay, back to the song. Um, Hand on Heart, this was one of the deeper cuts that I overlooked for really quite a long time. It's not a song that I, you know, two, three years ago maybe that I would ever have picked to play for people as an example of Tom's music. And I think part of that is maybe because I basically wrote the lyrics off as being slightly weak due to the rhyme-heavy verses, you know, band, sand, hand, etc. Uh, but the more I've listened to it, the more I've realized that it's, it's another one of Tom's songs where he's using words to paint an abstract picture rather than telling a very specific story. Uh, and, you know, it, it just builds into that glorious and gloriously simple chorus. I think that this track, more than any other on the album, captures the frenetic energy of the recording process for the record. It has such a loose, jam room-type vibe to it, but you could still absolutely see the song being recorded as a full-out rock and roller, even though it's great in this arrangement too, and better in this arrangement than it would be. It's also one of only a handful of songs that Tom wrote that puts me in mind of his contemporary Bruce Springsteen. I think it's the yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah, yeah over top of that A minor, G, C progression. And I know that chord progression has been used a thousand times in a thousand songs, but it has that sort of working class angst to it that I always associate with Springsteen. That chord progression actually turns up again in a different key on one of my favorite late period Bob Dylan songs, Not Dark Yet, when he sings the title line in the chorus. There's just something about those three chords played in that sequence, in that timing, that really hits your emotional center. At least I think so. The other thing I love about the song is, uh, is the cool structure of it. You know, it's verse, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, verse. So we don't go verse, chorus after the bridge. We flip that round and we go chorus, verse, and then outro. So not your standard rock and roll structure, but as always, exactly what the song needs. No Second Thoughts is also probably the most distinctive track on the album in the same way that Luna stands out on the debut because of its very unique vibe and its minimal production. But it's also one that I've grown to really appreciate and connect with. Uh, It's a song that I I, I think I'm probably going to try to arrange for piano, so maybe if I do record it, maybe I'll throw it up on my YouTube channel for you folks to listen to once it's done. Okay, folks, that's all for this week. We're done again. We're almost done the album. Um, I'm going to give No Second Thoughts an 8 out of 10. That may seem high to some people, I guess, but it's just such a unique... Cool feeling and cool sounding song that I've really come to connect with, as I said. It was only played live a handful of times, but thankfully a performance from July 27th, 1981 in Philly was captured and is included on the live anthology. That version has a a more prominent organ and especially piano uh, part in it and an accompanying drum part also, although it's quite subdued. It's also played at a, a much slower tempo uh, and has an even more country feel to the performance uh, due to that. It also features a great three-part harmony on the ooh um, with Stan and I assume... probably Mike? Um, it's a killer version and one that I listen to almost as much, if not more, than the original. So I'll link to that version in the episode notes. And as I always end, uh, please um, make sure you're following me on Facebook uh, and Instagram at the Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project and also on YouTube uh follow like subscribe as applicable on those different platforms and again if you haven't done so far please leave me a rating or a review or you know just communicate and connect with me online um i like having those um those interactions on social media and I've, I've met a lot of incredible people um through the different facebook groups and on twitter and on instagram so i appreciate all the um all the feedback that you do leave me and i always try to answer any comments or questions that you that you leave on social media um until we meet again next week keep listening to and sharing tom's music try to be kind Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about the funky penultimate track in this album, Restless. Bye-bye.